0: heart ready for the Word tonight, it'll make it uh, uh, make it go down a lot better. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter number 6, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Uh, by now, you can probably quote some of the verses that we're going to read, but we're going to read them anyways. Um, we're going to be talking about the Word of God tonight. I love this subject. Uh, and uh, this is uh, one of the pieces of the armor that is quintessential, and I want you to understand the devil sees how important this piece is, even if you don't. Uh, He'll do anything He can to keep you distracted and give you anything else. He'll put anything else in your hand that replaces the sword of the Spirit if you let Him. Uh, Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Look, if you would, at verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on you the whole armor of God. He says it again. He says it twice, in verse, once in verse 11, once in verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Understand that withstanding allows you to stand, all right? Withstanding means you can kind of do this, all right? And, and if you can't do that, you'll get blown over. All right. Ephesians uh, chapter four talks about being blown, uh, uh, tossed about with every wind of doctrine, which is why I will say it one more time. you cannot, even if I get no amens, you cannot learn your Bible from TikTok. Amen. okay you can't It's, it's, it's impossible to get a, enough a truth in two minutes or 30 seconds or to figure out what the deeps uh, guys, the, the, the treasures of the depths of all wisdom of this universe are in this book and they are found in words, not images. Amen. Okay, the devil wants to take your mind and fill them with images, which is what all the stuff is going on with your phone, so that you're distracted, so you cannot get the words. That's how God works. God works through His Word. Look, if you would, at verse number 14. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and, and watch it and the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word of, word of God. Let's open up in a word of prayer tonight and ask God's blessing. Brother Eric, good to have you. Make, glad you made it in time for church from out of town. Would you open us up in a word of prayer, sir? Yes. Amen. mm yeah. Amen. Amen. BC. I want to point out that if you go down the list of the pieces of armor in this in this uh passage, uh, notice look at uh, verse fourteen. Loins girt about with truth. That's the, the the belt, if you will. All right, You say, what does that do? It just kind of holds everything else up. It holds everything in place. Uh, notice the breastplate of righteousness in, in verse 14. The, the feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace. The, the shield of faith. That's to quench the fiery darts. The helmet. These are all important. It's not that one is, is more important than the other or that you can have one and ignore the others, but there is something that, that I think is, is worth noting, and it's this. Every other one of those pieces of armor is defensive in nature. You know what they say in in, in sports, and I I hear this a lot in football, uh, the best defense is a good offense. All right. And so if all you ever do as a Christian is block and, and shield and block and shield, but you never get offensive with your weapon, you never take the fight out there and you're always waiting for it to come to you, you are going to be assaulted over and over and over. And, and listen, I understand the all the conspiracy theories and things like that. But one of the things that, one of the reasons that, that we have as a nation gone over and fought in, in other countries is why we don't want the fight coming to us. All right. So so you as a Christian, you understand something. If you're always waiting for the fight to come, it's going to come. The pressure is going to be there, as the brother mentioned. It's going to be. If you don't learn as a child of God to take the sword of spirit and go out and do something that's Offensive in nature. Listen, the word offensive is, is twofold. Number one, uh, it is, it is uh, the opposite of defense, obviously. You're going out. You're making a charge. You're, you're moving forward. You're not just sitting there passively waiting for trouble to come your way. You are going out into this lost and dying world with the sword of spirit to make a difference for Jesus Christ. That's one way it's offensive. The other one is this. Not everyone's going to like it. That's the other way to define offensive. Not everyone's everyone's... Listen, I can mention sports, uh, even politics sometimes, the economy. I bring up the Bible. I bring up Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, the dynamics in the room change. Anybody else ever been there before? All right, so, so understand, it is the only offensive weapon that you have in your arsenal. If you don't get to learn it, you are always just going to be doing this number for the rest of your Christian life. The Bible says to resist the devil, and he'll what? flee from you, all right, you know what that means, you've got to go and fight some things as well, you can't always wait for it to come to you, Uh, the other thing is this, I'll say this, it's the only piece of weaponry that is defined in the passage, In, in other words, it says this, the sword of the spirit, look at the verse again, which is the what, it's the only one that the Lord does that with. I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily more important, but I will say this. The Lord went out of his way to tell you, I don't want you to guess what this is. I want you to know what this is. I want you to be familiar with what this is. I want you to learn how to carry this in this world. Now, it's called the sword of the Spirit. You say, why is that important? Well, let me just say this much. If it's just the word of men and it's not inspired by the Spirit of God, you just have a word. But when the Spirit of God is involved, it's a sword, amen? The Spirit, it's the Spirit's word. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the law of first mention is one of the greatest ways to, to kind of look at things in the Bible. And uh, when, you, when you do that, you kind of go back to like, what's the first time the word uh, sword shows up? Or the first time the word hope shows up? Or the first time marriage shows up? Or the first time money shows up? Uh, you can learn a lot by that. All right. So when you look at the first time the word sword, uh, the the word that that, uh, we're looking at, the sword shows up, it's in Genesis chapter three. Can I say this? It's after the fall. Uh, You say why is that important? Because before the fall, uh, you you heard directly from God, out of His mouth, and after the fall, you are no longer going to hear directly out of the mouth of God. There's going to be some some obstacles to get to the to the word of God. Uh, notice Genesis chapter 3, the first time the word sword shows up, look at verse 24. Notice how it's used. You know how that sword is used? It's used to create a boundary. The first time the word sword shows up, Adam and Eve have sinned, and God sets an angel there at the, at, at the east end of, of Eden, and he, he sends that cherubim there with that flaming sword. You say, what does that do? It makes them know you can't cross this line. Do you know what the word of God is? Now think about that. That's, that's critical. The first time sword shows up, it's to divide. It's to set a boundary. It's so you know where you can go and where you can't go. That's what that book does for you. It creates boundaries in your life. Can I say this right now? The devil wants to blend all the boundaries. He wants to get rid of all the boundaries. The Bible says uh, 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 where, where there's strife, there's confusion and every evil work. God is not the author of confusion. You know who that, who makes, the, who that makes the author of confusion? The devil. The devil wants you to blend. And you know what the devil wants more than anything else in your life? If you go, well, not that big of a deal. Well, it's 2023. Well, let's just keep moving the line. Well, and before you know it, you know what you're doing? You're putting aside your sword, and you're letting the world dictate where you can go and where you can't go. Right. You know what's amazing to me? Some of you are more concerned about offending someone. You know, happy holidays. Don't want to say Merry Christmas. Oh, I, you know, the other day at work, I got one of these invitations. You know, it's my company. And I, I said, hey, can I have a question. I, asked her, I said, are we celebrating Kwanzaa? Anyone celebrating Kwanzaa here? No one raised their hand. Anybody celebrating Diwali? Anyone, please? Even Hanukkah. Anybody celebrating Hanukkah? No hands were raised. I'm like, which holiday are you celebrating? Christmas. I said, can we just call it a Christmas thing then? People are so afraid of offending someone that they will go. And Christians as well. I just don't want to offend. Listen, the word of God, I I want to be careful how I present this. You don't need to be offensive, but the word of God is. You don't have to be a jerk for Jesus to be a a light for him, okay? Okay. But I will tell you this, when you take the Word of God and you take a stand on what the Bible says, it is going to offend people. And I'll tell you what else it's going to do. It's going to draw boundaries in your life. It's going to tell you who your friends are. It's going to tell you who your enemies are. There's going to be people in your life that you thought were your friends and they weren't your friends. And let me tell you right now, you don't ever want to get into a situation. I know Brother uh, Jose can probably find himself giving illustration of this, where you get called to a certain scene and I'm sure there may be some people that you prefer to have as backup than others. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, so without going into all his, what he does for a living, I'll just say this. We're thankful for what he does and keeping our community safe. But when you get onto a certain scene, you want to make sure you have good backup. Can I tell you right now, the people that are the best backup in your life are people that will align with that book right there. The ones that will tell you sometimes you're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong hey, you're going in the wrong direction. You say, "What is that doing?" It's setting boundaries for me. Hey, maybe I shouldn't look at that. Hey, maybe I shouldn't think about that. Hey, maybe I shouldn't carry that kind of spirit and that kind of attitude. What is it? Those are boundaries in my life, all right? You say, what is it? it's healthy for you. You know what you do with a kid? Right away, don't touch. Hold my hand when we cross the street. And then your heavenly father gives you a book and tells you, here are the boundaries. And you're like, God, I just want to have liberty. The Lord's like, you can have all the liberty you want, but you're going to end up like breaking your full neck if you're not careful, because there's some things in your life that will mess you up real quick when you put that sword aside. You know what God wants you to understand? He puts a flaming sword in your hand so you can know exactly where to go, exactly how to think, exactly who you should fellowship with, who you shouldn't fellowship with. What is God doing for you? Creating boundaries. Can, can I say this? And this is not a political statement at all. Countries need borders. I don't care if it's America or some other country. You, need, you have to have that. If you don't believe that, then leave your door open at night. All right? Listen, boundaries are healthy. All right? I understand some people build so many boundaries around themselves, they don't let God in, and they don't let God work, and that's unhealthy. I'll also tell you what else is unhealthy. No boundaries whatsoever. In the Old Testament, there's a, a, some of the Canaanites that dwelt in that land. The Bible says that they were careless people, uh, Zidonians. They, they, they were careless people, and they dwelt without walls. You say, what happens? They get, they get run over. You say, why? No walls, no boundaries. You know what I can tell you right now? It's not my job to tell you where all the boundaries are in your life. You know what developing a relationship with the Word of God will do? Reading it every day, asking God to show you something every day. You know what it'll do? It'll tell you where the boundaries are at for you. But it's interesting to me the first time it shows up. You say, what is it doing? It's dividing things in your life. Does it not say, study to show thyself, approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth? Because when you rightly divide the word of truth, what God does in return is He rightly divides things in your life. There are things that need to be divided in your life. Some things don't need to be there. God needs to purge them out. Sometimes they're people, sometimes they're habits. But I'll tell you this: if you allow the Spirit of God through His Word to work, division will take place. Uh, look at Matthew chapter number ten. I think this is one of the most. Uh, I love it when people are like you know Jesus wouldn't say that. You haven't read your Bible. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm just being honest. Like he would never, listen, I'll tell you some things that I've learned about the Lord. Uh, he is very gentle with broken people. And when you're not broken, he can find a way to break you. That's what I've learned about the, mini- the When you look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and the problem that we have as Christians sometimes is we get them in reverse. We are hard on those who are already broken and we're soft on those that are hard. Uh, look at Matthew chapter number 10, and let me just show you what the Lord says. You want to follow Jesus Christ? You know what it's going to take? Some division. Uh, how about this? Where are your priorities tonight? What matters more? Uh, there's some Christians that can be in. I'm not even referring to our church. I just mean at large. There are Christians in the body of Christ that could be in church. It's, it just doesn't matter. It's not their priority. Right. Uh, I, hey, did God give you an opportunity to witness today? Probably did. Did you take it? Amen. Amen. Did you take it? Well, no, no, stop with the well. It wasn't a priority. You see, God has to be the one that sets that, and the only way to get that right in your life is to allow the Word of God to come in, as the Bible says, to dwell in your hearts richly. Look at Matthew chapter ten, and look what Jesus Christ says here. Look at verse number um, thirty-two: "Whosoever therefore shall confess Me before men, him will I confess also before My Father which is in heaven." But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not. that the practical application of that is the reward at the judgment of Christ for you as a believer. But look if you look at verse number 34. Uh, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Now, this time of year, we're going to sing uh, joy of the world, the Lord has come, and silent night, holy night, peace on earth, and goodwill to men, and all that stuff. You see well, it's scriptural. Uh, God's offering of peace came through His Son, Jesus Christ. But if you don't reject, listen to me, if you don't accept who he is, who is he? The word of God. If you don't accept, do you realize the word of God's a, a two-edged sword? It can heal you and it can hurt you. Yeah. So so if you don't accept the word of God, guess what Jesus says? I didn't come to bring peace. Not if you don't want the right thing. Now if you want the right thing, you'll have peace in your heart. But notice what he says here in verse 34. Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a what? For I am come to set a man, I love this, to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother. And the last one's the a funny one for me because I feel like, Lord, they never needed your help with this. The, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You know, I just, Lord, I don't get a sense of humor about that. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You say, what is he doing? He's drawing some lines. He's dividing. You say, what is that? Oh, well, I I thought God would unite. I thought God cared about unity. God wants unity. But you can't have holy unity without first having holy division. You know what God does when he creates? He separates the light from the darkness. He separates the water from the waters above the heavens from the waters that are down the seas. He separates the land that's called the dry land that's called earth from the water that's called sea. He separates everything, and we go out there and go, man, look at how beautiful that sun is. You know, I'm kind of glad that God separated the land from the sea. I don't have to swim everywhere I go. Amen. I mean, you know what God does to to have beauty and have unity and harmony, you first have to have division. So you know what the Lord says: if you allow the sword of spirit in your life. It's going to make a difference, but it's going to have to cut some things out first. Let me ask you a question. How willing are you to say, Lord, what needs to be cut? You know, I love when someone goes, Pastor, financially, I'm struggling. Do you have a budget? Mm. Well, that's the B word in my house. I know, but it's a good thing. It's, a, it's, it's planning, all right? They talk, the Bible talks about a king sitting down and counting the costs first. That's called a budget. All right, so you know what people say? I want the blessing, but I don't want to have to cut things out. If you say you're struggling to tithe, I'm going to ask you how many times you go to Starbucks. I'm going to ask you, do you have to buy a $200 pair of shoes? I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, see, the thing is, the thing is, you set priorities in your life based on what you love. If you allow the word of God to lead you, he'll cut things out so that he can bring the right things in. But you have to be. He's not, here's the thing. He's not going to force that on you. He's going to say, "This is my sword. This is the sword I want to put in your hand. If you let it guide you, it's going to cut things out for your good." The illustration is the vine, and that vine that that vine that bears fruit, and the vine that doesn't bear fruit, he he cuts it back. What does he? Do? He cut. Why is it To hurt the vine? No. So that it he purges it so that it bears more fruit. What is he doing? He's dividing something off of that existing plant so that new life can come out of it. You say, what is that? It's being cut. That's what the Word of God does in your life. You, you say, how, how is He able to do that? Listen, it is a lifeless book if it's just written by men. Uh, if there's no, as the Bible says, uh, all scripture is given by what? Inspiration. Inspiration. You say, what is that? It's spirit being put into something look at genesis chapter number two i know some of you for some of you this might be review and that's all right uh for some of you this might be new and that's good can i tell you this not every time that you come to church does it have to be new yeah. we're not a we're not new we're not athenian baptist church we're new heights baptist church and if you don't get the reference look at act 17 later uh look at genesis chapter number two some things you need to look at over and over and over how many times you check your phone see the same garbage and then the preacher goes let's go to uh, chapter Oh, oh i've been there before good let's go again Amen. look at genesis chapter two look if you would at verse number seven and the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living one soul. all right so you have you have a soul that's living but first you have that that clump that 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 dust of the ground that's the body that's the shell all right, and that's why when you die from dust thou art to dust thou shalt return, all right, that's, that body is lifeless. There's nothing going on. It's just a shell, all right? You ever looked at a dead body? And it's a weirdest, it's a very sobering thing because if you knew that person, you saw them laugh, and you saw them cry, and you saw their emotion. You saw their soul being exhibited through their flesh, okay? And you saw that, and then you just see that lifeless shell. And you look at it and you go, that's not them. Like, it's them, but it ain't them. All right, so Adam is there. He's just a, a, a clump of dirt, all right? Ladies, you want to call men dirt balls? There you go, all right? All right, the dust of the ground. And then what does God do? God breathes into his nostrils the breath of what? Life. You say, what is that? He inspired him. He put spirit into him, and that's when it's alive. You know what God has to do to, listen, you need to understand, if this book's just written by men, it's a dead book. It has no power to change your life. You know what's amazing to me? To look at all the people in this room and to hear about the testimonies of how God has changed your life, and to know the answer is not because of pastor, Ray, It's because of this book. Man, if there's, any, if there's any testimony, the reality of the power of the word of God, it's the lives that have been changed in this church. And you say, from what? From the word of God. Why? Because it is inspired by God. Therefore, because it is inspired by God and holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, 2 Peter chapter two, uh, chapter one, because of all of that, you say, what is it? It is the sword of the spirit. It is the spirit's word in your hand. Listen, let me tell you right now, without that, it's just a book. If it's just men writing about historical events, it's a history book, and that's it. You know what makes it different? It tells you history before it happens. That's you know God's involved. All right. Now, now let me just say this much. Let's go back. Adam, four thousand years before Christ. Noah, two thousand three hundred years before Christ. Abraham, roughly 1,800 years before Christ. Moses, 1,500. David, around 1,000. And then the, the captivity of, 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 of Judah and the final chapter, if you will, from the Old Testament of, uh, uh, of the people of Judah, of Israel, having their own kingdom. That's when it closes, and that's when you come into the times of the Gentiles. All right? And then we know that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, and he was the Word of God. And we understand that the Lord put the church uh, here, and, and he put something spiritual and supernatural here uh, to, to be a witness of in a light. And we understand, listen, the church does not replace Israel. I want to be careful with that. But from an Old Testament perspective, as the nation of God, they were the light of the world. And God says, listen, they rejected the light of Jesus Christ. Therefore, blindness in part is happened to them. So church, you carry the light. You carry the torch. All right. And so our job is to hold forth the word of life. And then you understand the next major events, the rapture of the church, thank God, even so come Lord Jesus. And and listen, you can do whatever you want to on YouTube and get all convoluted and all confused, but if you read that book the way that it's written, you will not come away. If you rightly divide the book, you will not come away believing that we're here for the tribulation. All right? The only way to believe that is to spend more time on YouTube than you do in your Bible studying it, all right? Now, Now, that said, let me say this. When the Lord comes back, you know what some of the earmarks of his coming are? Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You want to talk about the power of the Word of God? You know what you have in your hand? You've got a book so powerful. It's far beyond Hollywood, far beyond modern science, far beyond what people think is advanced. Talking about AI, you know, robot. The Bible talks about iron mixed with clay. Back in the book of Daniel, you think this is all new stuff? God talked about it a long time ago. But who reads a book that's 400 years old? Uh, Look at... uh, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Let, let me say this: When the Lord comes back, and uh, He's riding that white horse, we'll see this in Revelation in just a moment. You, you know what He does? It's an amazing thought. I'll, I'll tell you what He doesn't do. He does not quote Aristotle. Right. He's not quote Socrates. He doesn't quote Donald Trump or Joe Biden. <laughs> He doesn't quote any politician. You, you know what he does? But look at Second Thessalonians chapter two. Look if you would at verse uh, number. Let's see here, verse number eight. And then shall that wicked—that's the antichrist—be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume. You know, what consume is—it's like—it's like the end of that Marvel movie where everybody disappears. They're just like that. He's going to consume him with what? With the spirit of his what? Now, watch this. Look at Revelation chapter 19. And and also, by the way, it mentions there, and he'll destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Now, go to Revelation chapter 19. Think about this. There's two things associated with the Lord coming back and destroying in a moment the Antichrist and the enemies of God. You know what it is? Two things. Brightness and the spirit of his mouth. Do you realize the word of God is a lamp near your feet and a light in your path? The entrance of thy words giveth what? Light. All right, and so he says uh, he'll consume with the spirit of his mouth. What exactly does that mean? Look at Revelation chapter nineteen, and you want to be familiar. If you're not yet, let me help you out a little bit. The Bible says in Hebrews that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged what sword. sword. Yeah. All right, look at Revelation chapter nineteen. Nothing like being in a Bible-believing church. Yeah. It's awesome. You know that no, there, there's a couple things that are great about. It. Number one, you hear this versus this. All right, number one. Number two, when you start a verse and people can finish it, it's very encouraging. Look at Revelation 19, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 11. And I saw heaven open. That's what we need all the time. Lord, would you open up heaven? Amen. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. If you don't know who it is, let me tell you about him. He's my best friend. (laughs) And the Bible says, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were, you know what, I, 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 I always think this is interesting. Uh, can you imagine, like, it's Christmas time, you know, getting close to that time of year. The manger scene, you know, the little Lord Jesus asleep on. I, I've always wanted to see someone do a manger scene with the baby, and then right behind it, a giant white horse, and someone riding him with eyes that look like flames of fire. <laughs> with a giant, so why? Because he's the same one. He's the same one. People are okay with the baby. They don't like a grown man telling them what to do and what not to do. Now, now the Bible says that he describes, uh, as Daniel says, the ancient of days. He describes for us what Jesus Christ will look like in a glorified body when he comes back. Look at uh, verse number, uh, oh, let's see here. verse number 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. So you know what people are going to do? Spend hours going, what is it? God told you. He no one else knows it but he himself. So you're going to find a bunch of yo-yos on YouTube trying to tell you what his name is. <laughs> he just told you he no one's going to know but he himself. I want to know. Why do you want to know stuff that God doesn't want you to know? Right. And the stuff that God wants you to know, you don't care about. Right. You know what that's called? The old-fashioned word for that is rebellion. <laughs> That's you not just being content with what God said. Now, look what he says here in verse number 12, uh, 13. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the what? Word of God. of God. Now, I want you to see this in verse. Now, verse 14 describes us coming with him, but look at verse 15. What comes out of his mouth? Now, doesn't it say that he's going to consume the Antichrist with the spirit? You know you can't do without breathing. You can't. Or, me, you know, what you cannot. You can't talk without breathing. So when you're speaking, you're breathing, and your spirit is coming through your words. Now you know what. You know what spirit Jesus Christ always had in him—the spirit of God—and he was always yielded to the spirit of God. And so when he speaks, you know what he speaks—the words of God. You know it's gonna be, you know going you know what it is? You don't believe this? Some of you are kind of thinking, well, I think it's you know, I think it's this. You know what that sharp sword is? It's the word of God. You know what he's doing? He's quoting Scripture. You don't believe that? Look at John chapter 18, go there, go to John chapter 18. This is Wednesday night what? Oh. All right, so we're gonna look at some verses, all right? Look at John chapter 18, and look if you would at verse number five. John chapter 18 and verse number five. You see what happens here. Well, this is the betrayal and the arrest. Of Jesus Christ, isn't it an amazing thought? the 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 man that never sinned was arrested. I mean, think about that. Uh, now, look, uh, Brother Ben's may be working uh, pretty soon in the in, in one of our prisons here in Colorado, and you know, a lot of people say when they get there, uh, it wasn't me, it was someone else. Man, I'll tell you what—if that's true, there's a lot of criminals running free right now. All right, now 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 here, think about this. Here's an innocent man, Jesus Christ, and he was arrested. And in that arrest and in that betrayal, notice one of the things that takes place. Look at uh, verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him. Now, I love this because he tells you up front, he knows everything. But then he's going to ask a question. You say, why? Just to let him know who he is. Look at verse 4. Uh, he went forth and sent them, Whom seek ye? Now, wait, wait, wait. It just, you just said, you know everything's going to happen, and you still ask the question, why? He wants them to figure this out. Look at verse number five. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And he breathes out. You see what happens? They fall back. That's before the resurrection, brethren. That resurrected body walks through walls. Remember that? Sitting in the upper room. When he comes back on that white horse, you know what he's gonna be doing? Think about this. He's literally going to blow his enemies. I'm not I'm not being funny when I say this, blow them away by simply speaking the words that you're not reading. Wow. Yeah, that's good. You want power in your life? You want I mean, like, I'm not talking about like Rex Kwando, like like, you know, going to a you know, place to dojo, like, let me figure out a Krav magama. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you having real power in your life. To have victory over sin. To claim the promises of God. To literally, listen to me, blow people away with how you respond to life because you're putting the right stuff in. You say, what is that? That's the sword of the Spirit. Now think about this. Jesus spoke to some people, and it gave them life, and it gave them healing. In one passage, we talked about this on Sunday, Lazarus come forth. What happened? Life out of death. And isn't it interesting that in some cases, listen, He he spoke into your life, and you're a born-again believer. You have new life where there was no life. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And isn't it interesting that the same God is going to come back, and He's going to speak the same words that He's spoken to your life, and it's going to blow other people away. You know what that tells you? It's all about how you receive it. If you fight it, and you go, well, I don't think so. Well, I think that's just old-fashioned. Well, I just think that's culture. I'll never forget, I was sitting in a church one time and a uh, a, a, a man that I, that I care deeply about and respect. Uh, him and his uh, uh, now wife were getting married, and and the preacher was uh, not necessarily from our circle. And he gets up there and he starts kind of Greekifying everything. And kind of he doesn't want to. He, he says, "Well, that word submit 'submit' doesn't really mean what it, you think it means." And and back then the culture was. I'm thinking to myself, "Shut up." Man, you are confusing all these people that actually believe the right thing, and you're talking them out of what the Bible actually says. Now, you know what you do when you do that? You don't speak as one that has authority. And once you do that, listen to me, you are playing right in the devil's hand. See what I mean? You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to give you anything else except the Word of God. Now, now listen, let me tell you something right now. Uh, This is not a a, a political statement, uh, but... In 1911, in Turkey, guns were now. If you stop, if you if you walk out here and go, pastors talking about guns. Just bear with the illustration. Hear me out. In 1911, in Turkey, guns were restricted, and a result, the result was one and a half million Armenians who were unable to defend themselves and were ethnically cleansed. That's a nice way of saying they were killed in genocide. What do you got to do first? Take the guns. In 1929, the former Soviet Union established gun control, and as a result, Stalin's government had forty million soviets killed 40 million and hitler and nazi germany established his version of gun control in 1938 where millions of jews gypsies homosexuals mentally ill disabled and eventually some of the brown shirts who worked for the government were killed what what do you to do first you have to disarm them first now if you think this is a big thing about the second amendment stop that's not what the point is the point is do you know what your enemy wants to do He wants to disarm you he wants you to pick up anything else but that pick up philosophy fine pick up books on business fine pick up books on self-help fine pick up books on emotional mental uh, awareness fine uh, pick up philosophy about uh, politics uh conservatism which looks good and talks about american being a christian nation and all that. pick up anything else but the book right. why because then you're defenseless and when trouble comes your way, you know you're gonna say, "Well, if that's who God is," you know. You you know you start talking that way. It's because you put that down. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll never forget. I heard a, a preacher talk about this. <coughs> he went to a church to try to help him out, and they're having this business meeting situation. Some of you may have uh, know what I'm talking about. And the preacher gets there, and and there's about ten men sitting around the, this table, and uh, the preacher gets there to try to help the local pastor that's in this church. And, and the preacher gets out his Bible, because that's what you do in a church. You know what one of the deacons said? Thank God we don't have deacons like this in our church. All right? Amen, Brother Sean? Amen. <laughs> deacons got a deke, amen? <laughs> we, got, we got some good ones. You know what this guy said? He said, put that away. We don't need that for this meeting. And the preacher said, well, I guess, I, I guess I'm done here. What do you mean you're done here? Well, that's all I got. That's the only thing that's going to work in your life anyway, so why would you? Right. Well, I've had people come to me and go, Preacher, what do you think about this? And I go, quote, sure, sure. Well, I know that, but what, what, else, what do you want me to tell you? Right. Right. Like, you know, well, when I was a child, I experienced this, and maybe you'll experience I don't think that's going to help you. You know what you need? You need the Word of God. Yeah. The Creator of the same one that said, let there be light. Those words are here, and they can change your life. Can I say it like this? God wants you to memorize it. You know what it says in Psalm 119 Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God wants you to search it. Uh, Let let me give you some things here. I'm going to flip this slide number two over here. All right. I'm going to flip this. God wants you to, as Jesus said, to search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Can I ask you a question? I appreciate you being here tonight. I mean that. I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful you flipped through the pages. Do you flip at home? Yeah. You need to. You need to. Right. All right? Uh, you want to learn about how to handle money? You want to learn about how Some of you young men want to learn about how to? Listen, I was talking with some young men the other day, and I told them, I was just point blank, real honest with them. You know what I said? The problem is you've, been gro- you've grown up in a virtual world where all you do is watch people live. Go for a hike. Go fish. Yeah. Go run. Go do something that's actually real in this world. You say, why? Because when you get in that book, that's what it is. It makes you want that which is real. It changes you from the inside out. Listen, you ought to search the scriptures. The Bible says to study the scriptures. You say, why? Because the devil wants to rid you of the word of God. He wants to replace the word of God. He wants to remove the word. He wants you as a Christian to get to a place where you reject the word of God. You say, oh, I can't do that. You ever look at Peter's life? Get thee behind me what? Why is he telling that? Well, because the thing that he's coming up with is his own thoughts, logic, common sense, reason, anything but what God said. You You know who's behind that? The devil. Listen, the devil's got, the Bible says we are not ignorant of his what? You know what's in that word devices? The devil. And you know what I think most Christians spend most of their time doing all day? Flipping through devices. I'm going to say this because I love you. Some of you could use some time off of Facebook. Some of you, man, no, 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 Some of you could use some time off of Instagram. Some of you, gosh, I can go through the whole list. TikTok, Be Real, Snapchat, yeah. I mean, uh, Smorgasbord. I'm just going to make some of that. Flinger. I mean, just make up names. Might as well. X used to be Twitter, you know, Whatever. It would be good for you to spend some time off of all of that. Right. And, and let, me, let me help you out. If you're thinking right now, preacher, I don't know that I need to. Okay, then, then prove it. Right. Take a week right. off. Oh, I could do it. Okay, then do it. Yeah. You know, listen, let me, let me explain something to you. Devil, <laughs> this is how he operates, with images, that's why the Old Testament says don't bow down to images, don't look at their images, don't, all that stuff is all about images. All right, well, how about God? Oh, God's boring. He puts words in a book. You know what, some of you need to understand, you're, you're an adult, you don't need a coloring book. You know what social media is? It's a version of a coloring book for you adults. And I realize you can use it for good, and our church has those things and all that stuff. I get all that. But I'm just telling you, sometimes it's a little much. And when you find yourself reaching for your phone, you don't even know why there's a problem. Let me ask you a question. What if when you went to the bathroom, you took your Bible with you? And when you were at a red light, you pulled out your Bible. Just go, I just got to catch up. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'm missing something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what did Jonah say? (laughs) That's what you do with your phone. You know, like, 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 what if you were walking around your house and said doing this, you had your Bible and just. Yeah. Yeah. You think maybe you might get some more light in your life. Yeah. You think maybe God would just kind of move some things out of your life that don't need to be. You think maybe there's some relationships that you've kind of turned a blind eye to and say, well, it's no big deal. And the Holy Spirit's going, you better be careful. Yeah. You better be careful. You better watch out. You're going too far. Listen, the Spirit of God will do that if you've got that book open. When you close it, I'm going to tell you right now, you know what you're doing? You're desensitizing yourself to the Spirit of God. Nature, listen to me, nature abhors a vacuum. You are meant to take in sights. But God, think about this. If you took stories, certain stories from the Bible, and you put them in a movie, they'd be filthy. But somehow, when you read that book, your mind's not dirty. You know why that is? Words versus images. And you have to understand the devil, listen, listen. the whole battle from the beginning is the devil wants to steal the image of God. When the Antichrist shows up, what does he make that all the world is to worship? It's an image. You know, when the Lord shows up, the image of God, That's these, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. His title is the Word of God. There's this battle that goes on, and listen, we're at the epicenter of it right now, because there's technology and devices available now that have never been available. Yeah. And we are seeing things and exposed to things, and constantly, it's always there, always calling you. Listen, first thing in the morning you got to do, roll out of your bed, fall on your knees, and thank God for another day of life. Before you grab your phone, grab your Bible. Amen. You know what I encourage you to do? Put your phone away from you while you read your Bible. I'm gonna tell you right now, anytime a Christian is struggling, I always ask him, Have you been consistent with your Bible reading? I always start there. You go, Well, well of course, preacher. Why, why do we do that? I'll tell you why. It's the fundamentals. You know what I don't like, and I'm sorry, I know I'm gonna offend someone. I don't I like college basketball more than I do NBA. Because college ball is more about the fundamentals. NBA is all about, if it's a superstar, they'll let him travel. If it's a superstar, he just flops over. Oh, foul! Like, dude, no, he just, that other guy was five feet away from him. It's all about the superstar in the NBA. And and you know what I love about the fundamentals? Listen, you see young kids trying to imitate, you know, LeBron. Dude, stop it. You're not LeBron. Learn how to dribble first. (laughs) Okay? You understand what I'm saying? Like, like. i'm serious and listen when it comes to the word of god listen instead of looking for the sensational how about you get back to some of that milk how about you just sit there remember remember how it was when you first got saved and you're just like man i get saved and i get saved forever you know the most dangerous things about getting i'm just i'm just gonna be honest and real with you you learn a lot of truth you start taking that stuff for granted and i'll be honest with you i i I, I enjoy learning about, you know, the dragon chasing the woman through the, the sea and the crystal sea. And with the frozen, the depths of the, uh, uh, the fr- uh, I'm getting this thing wrong, the face of the deep is frozen. I love all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, that doesn't really, uh, doesn't do anything for me as much as Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Amen. I'm not ignoring the other stuff. I'm just saying, you don't build a Christian life on sensational stuff. You build a Christian life on solid ground on sound doctrine. You can't get it unless you're in that book. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13. Let me show you this. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Understand the devil wants to get it out of your hand. 1 Samuel chapter 13. He wants to disarm you. 1 Samuel 13, and look, if you would, at verse number 16, And Saul and Jonathan his son and the people that were present with him abode in Gibeah, of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Micmash. Now, let me just say this. In the Bible, there are things that are a picture of New Testament realities that are historical truths. Like, for example, the Philistines are a great picture of the world. Israel being a picture of the people of God, and they're having to fight. Listen, they're having to fight. Even though they are in the land that God said was theirs, they've got external enemies to fight. But here's what you learn along the way as a believer. You cannot fight the external enemies until you deal with the internal ones first. And if you don't deal with the internal ones first, you're going to find yourself in a real bad situation. Notice what happens. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 17. And the spoilers came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company went this way. One company went this way. Another company, verse 18, went this way. Uh, Look down, if you would, at verse number 19. Now, how were the spoilers able to take advantage of the situation? How were those spoilers, a picture of the world, able to come in and do what they wanted to do with the people of God. You know, you've, keep, keep reading. There's no smith in the land. And yet, what the Philistines did? They took their swords away. Yeah. And they said, hey, if you want to sharpen any farming tools, you come to us. And you don't go to the world to get sharpened in that. You go to the Spirit of God. You know why they were able to get spoiled? Because they didn't have the sword. Listen, the devil wants to come in and spoil Let's spoil your marriage, your children, your mind, your heart, your affections for spiritual and eternal things. I mean, it's the funniest thing to me. It's this time of year where Christians are, you are know, gonna fight with Starbucks because they don't love Christmas. And we love Christmas, you know, and, and so because we love Christmas, we're gonna spend thousands of dollars on presents and ignore the fact that people are dying going to hell and missions and ties are gonna go out the window because we gotta buy presents. Right. You know, can you imagine having a birthday celebration and everyone gets a present but the birthday boy? Right. <laughs> That's what happens at this time of year. You say, How does that happen? The priorities are messed up. How do the priorities get messed up? You put that book down. And it's a, di- listen, when that spirit is not speaking, another spirit will. That's why it's called the sword of spirit. He wants it out of your hands. The Lord wants you to memorize it. Put it in your heart. You know, over there in uh, Luke 10, where it talks about Mary and Martha, Jesus says she had chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. Do you realize your money could be taken from you? Yep. Your wealth can be taken. Your health can be taken. But you know, when you put the Word of God in here, it can't be taken from you. I, I've gone. Brother John, half of you have probably seen this. I know, Brother Sean, some of you guys have seen this. Going to a nursing home for years. And you know what's an amazing thing? You'll be talking to some saint, some elderly saint who is a born-again Christian, and they'll be there for a moment, and then they're gone. And they'll be talking about, you know, well, Hazel's eight years old, and blah, 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 blah. And they're just, you know, and all of a sudden you see something about the Bible, and they go, uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 16 says, you say, how in the world, their mind is going from here to the 1940s, and all of a sudden they can quote scripture like that. You say, why? Because that can't be taken from you. Do you realize when you put that in there, that's treasure that's power. He wants you to hide it in your heart. He wants you to listen, not all, but but also believe it. Now, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, let me say this. If you don't believe what God said, it doesn't make it less true. It just makes it less effectual in your life. All right, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. Amen. So if somebody says, blanky blank, uh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ, uh, and you know what, I just need a blanky blank this and a blank blank that. Okay, fine. Free country, do whatever you want, say whatever you want, that's fine. You'll die and go to hell without Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven when I die, not because I'm better than you. I'm probably, I could be worse than you, but I trusted what God said, Amen. and I got his righteousness because of it. So you know what? One person believes it and gets a blessing in it, and one person rejects it, and they get a curse out of it. You say, "What do you call that? A double-edged sword." First uh, Thessalonians chapter two, for this cause also, thank, verse thirteen. For this cause also, thank be God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, you receive it as is in truth the word of God, not the word of men. Right, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know how it effectually works in you. You have to believe it. So when God says He'll supply all your needing through His riches in Christ Jesus. And you go, yeah, but I'm not sure I can afford a tithe. Okay, believe whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, I talk about money, it's gets all weird. Okay, it's Bible, guys. Right. Just as much as Jesus died for your sins. Right. Okay, so, so you can believe it or not. Yep. All right, so, so how about this? Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So the way for me to treat my wife right, is it's for me to, and, and oh, let's go here, how about First Corinthians chapter 7, hey, listen, if she's not your wife, you treat her as a sister in Christ, but I like her, until you're willing to put a ring on the finger, and and, and, and take everything else that goes with that, keep your hands to yourself, That's what the Bible says, Amen. it's better for man not to touch a woman, and he's not talking about shaking a woman's hand in church, you know what he's talking about, all right, you see, what is that, believing what God said, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know what your problem is, you don't believe what it says, right. And then you want to make God the bad guy. When everything blows up in your life, like, I can't believe, you literally are living the Bible out one way or another, either positively or negatively. Listen, it's a double-edged sword. So consider this. That sword can maim someone or it can minister to them. Christian, can I say this? I I want to end this with this thought. Be careful how you use the Bible, okay? You go, how can I do go wrong? Oh, you, the, the devil quotes scripture, okay? Hey, can I, how about this? Don't take things out of context. How about don't manipulate the Bible to make it say something it doesn't say? Uh, how about not using the Bible like a Ouija board? Uh, like, I want to date this girl, and her name is, is Ruth, and okay, Lord, would you show me something? Oh, look, I just opened up to Ruth. Right. I've seen it! Okay, You laugh, but it's real. These situations exist. Be careful how you approach the word of God. The Bible says the Lord will look to him that is of a humble and a contrite spirit. Him, Isaiah 66, that trembleth at my word. Lord, I want to approach this thing the right way. You know what some people do? Just for just a moment. They get more. All right, Lord, here we go. Well, that ain't the way we do it. It's God. These are your words, and Lord, I don't want to approach it with the wrong attitude. And God, you know where my mind has been, Lord. Would you cleanse it? Would you purge it? God, I want to get exactly what it is that you want me to get. Why? Because it's a double-edged sword. You know what some people will do? Some people will find the one verse of Scripture that they take out of context and justify what it is they want to do, even when the Spirit of God's going the other direction. You can hurt yourself. You know we tell kids, hey, let's not play with sharp objects. It's a sharp object. Don't play with it. Right. Can I give you another thought? Hey, there's some people that need this. Amen. They don't need this. You know what Peter does? We learned about it on Sunday. He pulls out that sword. I, I, I've watched it with Christians when they're under, under pressure. I've seen pastors do it. Pray for us. We're human too. I've seen, I've seen preachers do it. I've seen Christians do it. Where they get just frustrated with people and, man, they quote scripture and they make someone feel like a dog. You know what I've learned? I said this at the beginning of the message. I want to be like Jesus. And you know what Jesus does? He confronts sin. Absolutely. He tells that woman in John 8, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. He confronts sin. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't flip through her Facebook profile and look at all the stuff she did. He doesn't talk about all the stuff she did. He doesn't go through it over and over and over. You know what he does? He says, here we are. Let's move on. He ministers. Now, listen, with the self-righteous crowd, I mean, you bunch of whitewashed sepulchers. You're full of dead men. I mean, he lets them have it. There's a time for that. The Bible says, listen to me, reprove. Rebuke. But there's another part to it. Exhort. Amen. And let me just say sometimes we got people that come into church and they're half dead. And the world's beat them up, and their sins beat them up, and relationships have beat them up, and, and, and families beat them up, and their jobs, got, their job's a mess, and their finances are a mess, and they just barely come in here like a bump off a log, just barely roll in here. And let me just say right now, you know what you do really well to do? To be very gentle. You know what Paul says? As a nurse, cherished her children, so I was gentle with you. And here's a man, listen to me, who knew the Old Testament inside and out. He could quote everything. He said Ever in one of the, 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 the premier leading teacher of the law in his day. And you know what he does with those dumb Gentiles? That's what we are without Christ. You know what he does? Come here. Come here. Okay, you got a boo boo. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sometimes we need that. Yeah. You know what that's called? Ministry. Ministry's not just telling people, you're wrong, you're wrong. You know, preaching's kind of that way because it's kind of like a shotgun blast. But man, when you talk about one on one, people are hurting. Man, how about you take someone in the book of Psalms? How about you remind them, listen, there's a better day coming. How about you tell them, hey, get your eyes on Jesus Christ. He's coming back soon, brother. Hey, I, I'm not making a lot of your trouble. I'm going to pray for you. But can I encourage you? Even so, come. You see, what is that? That's ministering the word of God to people. I know sometimes they need to be told, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. I care about you. Don't do that. But you know what that's called? Speaking the truth in love. There are times as a pastor... Or I listen to Christians say things, I go, how could you have gotten that out of my preaching? (laughs) (laughs) You know what the Spirit of God says? Just shut up and listen. And be careful how you respond. You see why? Because that same sword that can go in and, like a surgeon's knife under the right hands, that surgeon can go in and just precisely cut where it needs to be cut and take out the problem. With someone who doesn't know how to handle that power, you can make a mess of somebody. You cut them to pieces. You say, well, preacher, I'm kind of getting mixed messages. Do I do I take the Word of God with me? Do I not take the Word of God? No, 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 take it with you. And ask the author how to approach the situation based on what he's put in front of you. I'm going to tell you right now. There's, the Bible says, you know not the power of God. You say, why? Because they didn't know the scriptures. Powerless churches are the results of powerless Christians. Powerless Christians are ones that don't allow that to lead and guide their lives. It's opinion. It's family. It's the world. It's philosophy. It's what they say at work. It's diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's anything but what God says. Christian, you need that book. Let's all stand every head bound, every eye closed. The Lord spoken to you. I pray you'd respond. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray that your people would have a desire to get into that book and let that book get inside of them and let it change them from the inside out. Lord, to take that out into the world and Lord, to to remind this world that you're alive. Lord, to speak your words. Lord, you have put us here, Lord, as a light, Lord, and, and and just like as when you come back, it'll be the brightness of your coming and the spirit of your mouth that will be the earmarks of your presence. And Lord, I believe that you've put us here for the same in the same way right now, for such a time as this, to be light, Lord, and to speak your words. Lord, I don't know all the situations. I don't know people. Lord, on a Wednesday night, some folks come in here hurting. Some folks are struggling. Lord, maybe they're struggling in an area of faith. Not sure how to step out. Lord, would you help them just to believe what you said? Lord, maybe you're you're pointing out an area that needs to be cut out. or You're, you're trying to create some boundaries and they don't like it. I don't know. I have no idea. You do. I pray you'd work and show them. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Over there in the Old Testament, I like the wording. Talking about the word of God. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house. You want to post something online? Post scripture. <laughs> the posts of thy house. Saturate your home with the word of God. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. You ever had company over and you want them to feel comfortable? We, we try and strive to have our visitors and guests here at New Heights feel comfortable when they come to visit us. That's why we have a clean church and people clean it and get it ready and Coffee and, and music, all the stuff that goes into that. You want God to feel comfortable in your home? Put the Word of God at the center. Make that the thing in your house. I knew someone that had a. You don't have to do this, but it's just, it's, it's humorous and, and at the same time, kind of powerful. I knew a guy that put a a 3x5 index card and taped it to the bottom of his TV and it simply said this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Scripture. Just a good reminder, if I'm going to watch something, Lord, I want to be pure, I want to be right. It's good. That's not legalism. It's called sanity. It's having some kind of boundaries in your life. If you don't have boundaries for your flesh, you're in trouble. You need it. I can't help but Think of Miss Megan, Brother Steon, they're bringing another child into this world. You know what that book says? She shall be saved in childbearing. Saved from what? First Timothy, deception. You see, the Bible has the answer for how to deal with pregnancy. How's the, the answer for, man, dealing with your marriage. It's got the answer for Everything. Everything. Probably got. I know we have some military people here. If you go through basic training, they used to give out what they call a rubber duck. <laughs> it's not what it sounds like. It's a it's a piece of wood in the shape of an M16, and they just wanted you to get used to carrying it with you at all times. never point it at someone. You never put it the barrel uh, the nozzle in the in the barrel into the ground. You certain way to carry it, certain way to treat it. Then they eventually give you a real M16, and then you're taught. How to take it apart? How to put it back together? And, and to the point where they test some of these people and they have them do it blindfolded. Say, what is that? Becoming familiar with your rep- weaponry, Christian. You need that with the Bible. You need that. You know what? You know what? Would be a great, a great compliment to you. That every time someone mentions something at work, you go, Yeah, man. There's this verse that says, Oh, always mentioning the Bible. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's not that's not me, that's God. <laughs> that's not naturally how I think, but man, I put enough of that in. Man, it changes me. I'm gonna challenge you. I know some of you may think this is weird. Take your Bible to the bathroom. Leave your phone. Oh, preacher, that's weird. Then why are you taking your phone? How's that not weird? Yeah. Poor, some of you poor moms. It's like, it's my only 30 seconds of sanity. I just want to talk to a friend, you know? But... <laughs> How about you read over breakfast and lunch instead of scrolling? How about you look at it at a red light? How about you walk around the house with it open up? How about instead of going, hey Siri, hey Google, you just stop and go, what does the Bible say about that? See, the devil is replacing everything that's real with something that's virtual. I don't want a virtual wife. I want one I can kiss. Is that okay to say? Okay? Yeah, put the ring on the finger. You deserve it, all right? It's all right. But you put the ring on the finger. All right, so listen. If you want God and all that he wants for you, the real stuff, right here. Right here. I'm not talking about fake gummy bears. I'm talking about Haribo gummy bears. Okay? I'm not talking about Folgers. I'm talking about Café Bustelo, okay? I'm sorry if I offend you. If you drink Folgers, God bless you. <laughs> to me, it tastes like dirty water, but whatever. <laughs> Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Amen. Thank you for coming out tonight. Pray that God spoke to you. And uh, look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. Invite someone to church. Uh, talk to those folks that are joining in our new members class and say, hey, Everyone can have part of the come and see ministry, so maybe do that um, and be in prayer for those that are joining this Sunday. Some joining this Sunday, uh, and some joining the following Sunday as well. Uh, looking forward to that. It's exciting to see our church continue to grow, guys. It's a blessing. Thank God for that. Uh, but uh, let's close in a word of prayer, and uh, we'll ask uh, God's blessing what we heard. Uh, take it, chew on it, meditate on it, and uh, thank Him for it. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask for the Mark, the Mark Lang, if you would close out in a word of prayer, sir.